Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Welcome to the Pilots and Petards Podcast, the podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts, but potentially everything ado with first episodes of a filmic series. Disclaimer listeners, petard is a real word, and it's a bomb, and it should remain non-discriminatory. Reach your Shakespeare, folks. All right, and if you are new to the podcast, go ahead and visit our website, pilotsandpetards.com. Uh, to learn more about our podcast, you can follow our blog, you can participate in our pre-recording discussions. Yes, listeners, be the podcast you want to hear in the world with Pilots and Petards podcast, the podcast that listens to our listeners. This is your co-hoister, Drew. I am the pragmatic cyclops of this podcast, as well as this podcast, Kyle. And I'm Jimbo, the anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist Kenny of the podcast. And last, and certainly not least... I kind of want to change mine, because I was saying my... Should I say the motherfucking Little Miss Mo? Nice. Ooh, I like that. Yes. And when did I become the anti-millennial, dude? This uh, yeah, is... y'all keep updating and... I have like uh, I have like six things now. It's okay. Um, last episode, man, you're ripping on the crown. Oh yeah. Last and certainly not least, it's motherfucking Miss Mo, the master of pilots. Join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the coming of age comedy Boy Meets World will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question. So, all right, guys, let's jump into the background of this uh, this show, Boy Meets World. And Jimbo, why don't you start us off? So, like most people that. Grew up in the 90s. I remembered watching it as a kid. Didn't love it. Never went back to it as a adult. Um, I do remember watching, you know, like that run of shows that that it was on with at the same time period. You know, Family Matters and Step by Step and Full House and all that stuff. So same, Jimbo. I TGIF was, I mean, it brought us all around the TV every Friday. I love that entire lineup. And I watched Boy Meets World into the college years or their college years. So I definitely was an avid listener. How about you, Drew? Same, 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 super same. TGIF was iconic. I, I'm interested to see what y'all's thoughts are of TGIF versus Snick, but huge fond memories. And I, I like Mo, watched this show all the way through, and I was aghast that we were missing a key character, a key component in this pilot, but we're only here to judge the pilots, not to wonder where our beloved Topanga is. <laughs> Hashtag where's the I have Topanga. no idea what the snick is. Snick, Nick, 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 I didn't have cable. I've said this many times on the podcast. So only got to watch Snick at my cousin's house. I remembered it when I was saying that. And then I was like, maybe <laughs> Mo used her magical cable box to watch Snick. <laughs> that was, yeah, intermittent and in high school. <laughs> I was I was half Mo growing up. By the time we got satellite TV, I was older and I did not care about watching stuff. That would have been on Nickelodeon. Cable television raised me. I'm the product of the cable age. So you're like the cable guy. Yes. Oh, God. More functional. All right. Well, um, Jimbo, you got, a, you got a two-sentence summary for us? Corey is meeting the world. Mr. Feeney wants him to understand love while his brother Eric is ditching him for a girl. Stay tuned to find out if you should add Corey's quest to your watch list. Made fun of mine for being more than two sentences. Great. Summary. Well, the last, the the third sentence wasn't a summary. It was just a, I don't know what it was called, but you know what I mean. Fair enough. You're right. It did not have summary knowledge in it. Mo, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with these high points? 
What was your highest point? There were many. Again, I have the nostalgia was real. The Nobo. Hashtag Nobo for this episode. Raging. Yeah, but they really, just right off the bat, they, they really establish the fam- the Matthews as such a strong, sweet family. And I like that you get a taste of everyone within the family. And I think that's why they don't really develop the peripheral characters as much, because they really want you to focus on what's happening with Corey and at home and all of that. So uh, I really loved that whole aspect. Um, my favorite part, well, I- I'll actually talk about my favorite part when I talk about MVP. Yeah, so I just like the family dynamics. They were sweet. And and even in the classroom, being an 11 year old in the classroom was rough. And I could really identify with those kids not being able to pay attention because I was always getting in trouble at that age. How about you all? Same here. Me, me and my classmates in fifth and sixth grade, we had competitions to see who, who could accumulate the most minutes on the board because my fifth grade teacher would just like, that's five minutes and he'd write it on the board. And we would get up to like 400 minutes at times. And like, it's just like a ridiculous amount of minutes that nobody can keep track of. And that you know, you never have to pay that debt out. Jimbo, those poor <laughs> teachers and the years you shaved off their careers. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, my I, my fifth grade teacher was a Mr. Feeney type <laughs> teacher. Like he he was older, like like Mr. Feeney. He didn't act anything like him. Well, actually, I have no clue what he acted like. I don't remember him. Okay, I think we all had a Mr. Feeney like teacher at some point. Super relatable. How about you, Drew? Well, Mo, I I think that probably my high point was as a teacher. I really like the scene where like Corey comes over and sits down with Mr. Feeney and. Mr. Feeney kind of breaks down his day and he's like, I get here at eight o'clock with you. I spend hours with you. I come back after lunch and spend hours with you. Leave me alone. And so that is a totally valid thing because like there's a bunch of like younger teachers at my school that always have kids in their classrooms. And then there's a bunch of older vets who are kind of like, I'm still going above and beyond, but why don't you go eat lunch by yourself? And there's a nice balance. I'm um, I'm a little bit in between. I interact with kids at lunch, but I also do not invite them to my classroom unless it's like making up tests and work and stuff. Do you have a teacher's lounge? Yeah, no teachers go in it. Okay, good. I've actually heard that having a teacher's lounge it is not good for teachers building relationships with the students. It's also not good for to sit around and complain the whole time. Just like being negative all the time. My old cooperating teacher, Miss Story, she had like the most wonderful like southern accent and drawl, but she used to call the teacher's lounge the duck pound or like the duck pond. She's like, Mr. Garland, all those ducks in there just circling around and quack, 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 quacking about what's going on. And I was like, yeah, Miss Story. She's like, you stay out of the teacher's lounge. I was like, I will, Miss Story. But yeah, Jimbo, how about you? You got a high point? I have a few high points. Corey was a high point. I I can relate with Corey. You know, he's kind of a smart ass. He's not a terrible kid, but he definitely doesn't care about school. And he, you know, like I mentioned, he, he would be that type of kid that would want to try and occur like a thousand hours on, on, on the board to see if Mr. Feeney, you know, just to press Mr. Feeney's <laughs> buttons to see how far will he go. But who, what kid wasn't at that age, honestly? You're kind of like testing your boundaries and testing authority. Oh, I was not a good student. No, school was not kind to me. I didn't do well. I was, I was pretty heavily medicated throughout a lot of school and none of it really stuck. What, the medication or school? <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, but were you a little asshole? Yeah. <laughs> and my mom worked at the same school, and I'm sure that was not pleasant for her. So I imagine my mom was pretty pissed off all day, every day, whenever people had to go complain to her. 
in my two years of teaching, I did not have classrooms full of quarries. I only had usually a couple quarries per class. True, two or three quarries, but but such groupthink at that age too, man. So they they all like to like feed off each other, no? I assume. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. Well, Sean <laughs> Sean is like totally enabling him. He's like, tell me the score, but I don't want to put the thing in my ear. Yeah, that was smart. At first, I thought it was one of those new like iPhone head earphones for a second, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? But then I saw the the string. 1993. <laughs> I know. Dude, kids do that shit now. It is so annoying. Like, I'm like, ugh, take your earbuds out. Like, come on, I can see you. No one like sits like this for an entire class. I'm holding my hand over my ears, listeners. Okay, we're at six minutes, by the way. I was just going to add, Sean was too poor to have that device, or he certainly would have had it inside his ear. <laughs> That's true, but they don't really establish that quite No, yet. yeah, spoiler. Sean's spoiler, poor. Sean's spoiler, Sean's, Sean's poor. poor. All right, well, that's a good amount of high points. So, um, Jimbo, I think we're going to move to the Alyssa low points. Seeing you skating, you're pretty shit. Fuck off. <laughs> All right, finally, we got a slight ch- chuckle from Mo at the very end. She's tired and got a headache. Um, Jimbo, why don't you lead off our low points? Man, I, there was a lot of low points for me. I would say just, just in general, I did not appreciate the execution of the show. I think, I think it was attempting to do a lot of cool things. I, you know, I can appreciate the Romeo and Juliet illusion. I can appreciate Shakespeare, the, tarts. yep. And I can appreciate, you know, like the theme of love. But at the end of the day, I just thought all those things just didn't quite work for me. It just seemed like mix matching shows. And maybe that's not necessarily a low point if 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 we want to consider that more of an evaluation of Mr. Feeney, then I could maybe swap that low into a high. But just but just in general, I thought like the execution, like the conflicts and kind of Corey's character was a bit off. What do you mean by switch something with Mr. Feeney? I don't understand. Yeah. If Mr. Feeney is teaching Romeo and Juliet to eleven year olds because he wanted to be a literature professor and he's stuck teaching at a middle school (laughs) then like that's a high point but i don't know if that was necessarily it that's interesting that's interesting way to like look at it um yeah romeo and juliet for 11 year olds i'm trying to think about what we actually teach sixth graders and it's not it's not shakespeare i taught romeo and juliet for ninth grade like the state of arizona that's that's ninth grade is romeo and juliet and i was like this is stupid like ninth graders should not be reading romeo and juliet unless they're in like a really fancy school midsummer's night stream is on like an honor syllabus with eighth grade language arts in colorado and then they do more of it in like high school yeah i think you should i think you should save shakespeare for people that are actually interested in literature or college students yeah I don't. I don't really remember understanding much, but we watched the movie. <laughs> I think we just watched the movie and read like a few prose or whatever. They were plays for a reason. They weren't meant to be read to dangle a bit. Yeah, well, that's an interesting perspective, and yeah, that's a that's a dangly thread too. I think my low point is one that we chatted about a little bit pre-show, which was that opening theme and uh, the uh, you know the graphics and whatnot, like. Jimbo, you you compared it to the Saved by the Bell theme. That's a generous comparison, in my opinion. I think the Saved by the Bell theme is way better. And it was like ten years er- er- earlier. I was talking about like the old school Saved by the Bell when they were in middle school. Mm. What year did um, there was no Boy middle Miss World school come out? Saved by the Bell. Yes, there was. Yes, there it was, was called Good Morning what? Miss Bliss, 
And it had a bunch of characters that were not in the high school eventually. Oh my god, I don't think I've ever seen that. It was in Indiana too. Jimbo and I discussed <laughs> whether or not we would watch Good Morning Miss Bliss or the first episode of California Saved by the Bell when we were like figuring out this show. Good Morning Miss Bliss? Oh my god. All right. Yeah, that theme music was interesting. Yeah, it was terrible. It was just too long. It was really bad. Might be the worst intro we've done. Yes, by far the worst intro. I can't even think of one that's even close to that bad. Oh, the the British teacher is... Oh, yeah, I remember this now. Okay, I have seen this. <laughs> All right, Mo. Wow. Thought, but I think it came... Cool. Like, I think they played it as Saved by, by the Bell on reruns. Yeah, they no, did. they did. But, but they're so... They're like grown to be middle schoolers. No? They look big. I just remember that kid's like sweet ass... I don't know if it was a fro or a curl or he had rollers in his hair, but it was like bouncy without, but like staying in place. The non-specific <laughs> ethnic kid who was kind of Italian. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The like old school Slater. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, Slater <laughs> oh, 1.0. Yeah. All right. We're dangling. This is great. Low point, Mo. Where are you at? I would have to say... That I didn't appreciate that the the sister was always getting iced out. She's so cute. They, she needed more attention from her siblings. But I feel like at the end of the episode, that's when Corey like grows up a little bit, you know, and he yeah. he he meets the world. He's like, man, my sister's cool, and I should give her more time. And then mom's like, you gonna you gonna put your sister to bed? And he's like, yeah, this boy's ready to meet the world and become a man. She had unconditional love for him. It was so sweet. But um. I don't know. I had a Can hard I time. jump in? Yeah, jump in. Yeah, so she she also she also reminded me of the little girl from Seventh Heaven. Oh, like Ruthie. Yeah, Ruthie. But but the Full House joke was really funny. You know, like they made fun of Full House, and then the girl was like, "I understand Full House." Yeah. <laughs> she's totally the Full House character. Like she's the little girl that only says like little quirky things. And she doesn't really – she's not really developed at all throughout the show. She's just there for like that, ooh, that's so cute. But it, it kind of came off as uh, corny a little bit. No, super corny. I agree with it being a low point. There were some corny parts of this show. There was some corn, tastic corn. Mo, you get the last word though. It was your low point. I'm just going to stick with the corn. <laughs> I have I have one more low point just to toss out there. All right. And this is going to transition into some of our other talks, but – Mostly male cast. At this point, I can't. I, I have stopped bringing it up because it's pretty consistent like that. I think we should bring it up every time, just to, yeah. just as a reference. We don't have to talk about it, but yeah, it's up. the The boy meets world and meets other boys and meets his boy teacher and his boy family, except for his mom and his sister. Yeah, it's it's boy tastic. Bursting with boys. Petard's throne. Yeah, Mo, you you share your truth. You speak it here. <laughs> That's what we do on this podcast. As a podcast with two boys and one girl. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yep. I mean, I guess it makes sense to concentrate on like, it's called Boy Meets World. So it is very much a young boy, like a boyhood story. Well, let's let's move on to the Crab Man because I think we all are going to talk about a powerful, good, strong young lady. <laughs> Should we move on? All right. Hey, girl. Hey, Crab Man. So, Mo, for the new listeners, um, what is the Crab Man, Crab X, Crab Person, Crab uh, Robot Bureaucrat Award? <laughs> so the Crab Man Award goes to an individual that 
gives much more than they take in the pilot episode. A pretty cool scene where Mr. Feeney is showing some high leverage teaching maneuvers by having the students presenting the lesson. And he has a, a nerdy, uh, awkward young boy with a knife questioning uh, what it is to be Romeo and then a powerhouse young actress who I looked up to find out what her character name was um, sits up and she's just sassy. And she's just like, she, she throws out like a biggie line, which is like, if you come at the King, you best not miss. And then she's like, you stab me. You better make sure you do it right the first time. So it's nice. It's nice to see a strong young woman, a strong young woman of color. And also Mr. Feeney does a good teaching move because she asserts herself and he does not try and control her or, you know, silence her voice. So good job, Mr. Feeney with your teaching. And we love you, young Miss Kincaid. Yeah, that was a really well done scene. It could have very easily been a moment of, you know, a white male teacher reprimanding this young, opinionated girl. But he let her have her moment. And if anything, he praised her. What did he say? Miss Kincaid, thank you. Thank you for that uh, vigorous interpretation. <laughs> it was a good teacher move. Yeah, he just pointed out her qualities in performing that scene. Yeah, and even though it's like it's two students, like not going at it, but there's two students involved. Like sometimes the teachers are like, if it's like Jimbo and Mo, and I'm like, Mo, cut the crap. Because like Jimbo is reacting, but Mo is the one who started it. So like, you know, young Miss Kincaid was like doing the right thing. And that other kid was just screwing around. And Mr. Feeney righteously directed his um, teacher anger on that kid. So. And shout out to that kid. He was from the Sandlot. He's the one yes! that tricks the chick yes! into making out yes! and kissing or whatever. That's what he was in. I was like, I know you from something. All right. So sounds like we have a unanimous crab girl award going to Miss Kincaid. Slate it, girl. There we go. And now we're going to send over a promo swap to our buddies at What Does It Matter? What Does It Matter podcast, a non-topical solution for your topical problems. Movies, pop culture, music, foul language, you got it. WDIMpodcast.blogspot.com. Also follow us on Twitter at WDIM Podcast. The fun never ends, and it's something real. All right, welcome back, listeners. And, and now we're going to move into our MVPs. And for those new listeners, um, MVP stands for the most valuable part of the pilot. Mo, why don't you go ahead and start us off? I'm going to start off with one MVP, but then end on my real MVP. Uh, so I, I really, <laughs> I think I mentioned in my high points that I really liked the mom, Amy. I had to look up her name because I forgot. But she, I feel like she's just the mom everybody wants. Her little pep talk to Corey was so sweet and really brought him down to earth on missing the baseball game and it really not being that big of a deal, which I'm sure for an 11 year old boy is, you know, it's a lot to miss. But the fact that Corey responded so well to it, he's just so awesome and he's so great and he's so relatable and the writing is really well done for his character. Um, and his moment of running away and sticking himself in the treehouse is literally 100%. I think I did that every day for like six months. <laughs> um, so, and then that whole scene led to my ultimate 
high point or my ultimate moment that I wanted to mention earlier, which is when he eats dinner with Mr. Feeney through the treehouse. It's so sweet. <laughs> I loved that part. So Corey's my MVP because of all of those things. And he stays out there all night. He doesn't go back. That's good parenting. Which I loved as well because – or even just it, – it's so cliche like the kid's going to get scared. And he's going to have to run back to his parents. You know what? No. Corey's not scared. He knows he's in a nice na- neighborhood more than likely. And he's <laughs> yeah. going to prove a point, dude. He's pissed off about missing that game. Rightfully so. I would be so mad. It's his brother's tickets, dude. Hell no. Yeah, it is no his brother's what? tickets. Brother. There's Who gives a shit? His brother's trying to get laid. Yeah, that's true. There's some good parenting in this. Yes, very good parenting. Which I really appreciated the second time watch, walk, watching. But um, I want to throw my MVP out there with Moe's MVP. And I think the writing of Corey and the characterization of Corey as an 11-year-old was very good. We watched some shows where people are pretending to be different ages. And it has been a huge mixed bag. But, like, Corey acts like a sixth grader. His logic is that of a sixth grader. He's selfish. Everything's about him. He like is impulsive and like self-righteous and everything about middle schoolers is Corey, including that he's redemptive too. You know, he learns and he can learn. And I, I very much enjoyed a lot of the small things that Corey did because they seemed very natural and not all the shows we've watched have had natural um, mannerisms and whatnot. So I think that's a credit to, to the actor and to the writing. I have to disagree with part of that. I, I I felt Corey's reactions were appropriate, but then his acceptance of not getting in his way, I feel like didn't meet his reactions. I feel like he seems like a kid that the way he's complaining about certain things, I feel like he's kind of used to getting his way. And then he's just like so okay with not getting his way. And so to me like that, those two things didn't quite seem authentic, but the rest of it, his logic, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you, Drew, the way he acts in school and like his logic and his motivation are totally hits for, for a 11 year old. They might've just had to resolve the story in 19 minutes. Of course. Yes, of course. But, uh, I, I get that. You're right. I mean, he gets over it and like makes up with his little sister real fast when yes, in reality, he would have been butthurt for quite a while. He would not have sold his brother. Yeah, he gives his he gives Eric he gives Eric the phone and's like caller man. No, dude, he's gonna be like pissing in his brother's shoes. Yeah, that's not what it does. <laughs> that's fucked up. I'm sorry, that it would not have flown very well. My family was always like family first, friends second, always. Oh, me, me, and my brother would have fist fought over that for sure, dude. That that <laughs> would that would have resulted in him crying because I was older and stronger. But uh, used like, to punch him in like the face that, at the bus stop. Yeah, dude, that would not have ended well as far as us not fighting. Now, my my parents would have been right there with with Corey's parents, and they would have been like, "They're his tickets, you know. He gets to choose who goes with them." And that's life, man. Corey Corey doesn't get to get his way all the time. Like that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. Dude, I got a ton of students who I wish they knew that freaking lesson because, like, it is at least once a week where I'm just like, look out the window, giant yellow thing in the sky is the center of the universe, not you. Actually, it's not the center of the universe, center of the solar system. You should get that straight. I can say that, but, dude, then I'm just like, (laughs) you're not a snowflake. You're not special. Your mom lied to you. Like, get to work. Like, Corey learned a lesson. Kids got to know. Drew, I would love to make a request. You should play this pilot episode for for your <laughs> class as like a reward for something, and then have them and then have them evaluate and like an, analyze Corey's acceptance of like uh, not going to the baseball you games. know the world. Yeah, yeah. 
that that would be very cool i will do that and actually on the 23rd we're thinking about watching glory because glory is the only movie that's approved by dps denver public schools i that watched I... that in middle school well it's one movie that's approved that i don't have to show to my administration anything else that i want to show in class that's less than six minutes i have to show to my administration whatever i mean that's a rule rule but like glory is expressly pointed out as being in the eighth grade curriculum as in i can show that and i don't have to tell anyone so wow. maybe i'll just show boy meets world instead in six in in five minute and fifty nine second increments. Yes. <laughs> um, I watched that. I watched Glory in middle school, and my teacher at the time, she was just like a, from my own middle school opinion, was like a weird nerd lady, <laughs> and her husband was like as a side hobby was used to reenact Civil War things. Which side? But I don't know. It was it was blue, so I think it was for the. Northerners. Yeah, that's different from where I grew up because everyone where I grew up wanted to be the Southerners and they used to share like, tricks. Like you could shine up your like brass buttons by soaking them in urine. And that's what you learn oh, from Civil War reenactors. That's fucking weird, dude. White people are so weird. But that I grew up in Southern California. Like the, the Civil War didn't happen there. <laughs> it makes yeah, sense in dude. South Carolina. I never met Carolina. anyone that did anything with the Civil War reenactment. It's weird on the West my, Coast. It's my, weird. <laughs> my first, even just knowing that people did that was from South Park. <laughs> That's a good episode. All right. Well, let me just squeeze in because I think we're running out of time and I didn't give my MVP yet. So my MVP is, is thrown back to Moe's almost MVP and Amy Matthews is a super strong character. I loved her as the mother, the father also as well, but, but even more so Amy Matthews. And I think one of the reasons why we have a strong Amy Matthews and what I think is a pretty well-written pilot is because we have a female writer in April Kelly. So there was two writers. One of them is April Kelly. And I think she is very much needed for a lot of these family dramas because you need to have these women represented by actual women and actual mothers and and so i i don't know much about april kelly but but i'm sure she had a huge role in making amy matthews my mvp nice i like that i like that you always remember to research who the writers are jimbo especially Not when always, they're women yeah mm -hmm. yeah no it's important i think it changes the perspective and brings to light you know yeah. um, often that comes up which is not very often I think you can tell just, just by watching it. Like I was shocked when Peggy seemed like a strong woman to me in married, married with children. And I mm. went back and it was produced by a woman. So it's like, or I mean, directed, it was directed by, by a woman. And like, so it makes sense. One Tree Hill was completely shitty to women and there were very few women involved. Makes sense. Well, um, Mo, you want to introduce or that next segment? I mean, I don't know if she's still relevant. She's, she's always relevant, dude. It's hers, man. Relevant, she owns right? it. <laughs> We'll stay relevant. We're moving on to our Stormy Daniels dangling threads. Ooh, yeah. And for any new listeners, this is a section of the show where we take the liberty of just bringing up whatever we wanted to talk about that didn't quite fit into the previous sections. Somewhat related to the show or just from our group chat? Usually somewhat related. Yeah, yeah, usually. Almost yeah. always. We've had a few dangles even up to this point. Like, let's just get the simple one out of the way, Topanga. Let's just get get her out. Oh, yeah. God damn it, man. You don't... Topanga is huge. Topanga is going to add a female voice, a strong female voice, and she is missed. I'm surprised that she's not in this 
opening, but I think I mentioned this earlier. Maybe they just wanted to focus on the Matthews and the dynamic they have with Mr. Feeney since he's the neighbor and really just make that a strong connection. Well, here, well, here's the thing. Kind, kind of like Sean, uh, Topanga came on as a guest and she was such a hit that the, they kept her and wrote her in. I think Sean's the same way. Like Sean oh. wasn't supposed to be the best friend, but he kind of just, because he's a good actor or whatever, just he's kind adorable. of, yeah, he's dreamy. Yeah. That's why. Yes. He's dreamy. So, so I think those two characters kind of evolved just because the actors were really successful in bringing those characters to life and they weren't necessarily planned. Uh, there's another aspect too. I mean, we'd have to look at the production notes, but sometimes um you'll like shoot your pilot and then sell it to the network or show it to the network or you'll use it to develop the series so there might be a a bit of time in between when the That's pilot true. was shot and then they might have gotten feedback where it was like there's a lot of boys in boy meets world let's get you know a young lady in there maybe like cory needs a love interest or something and or maybe maybe they weren't thinking about that at 11 but um maybe they were just like there needs to be like some young women so it might have been like a production note from the studio and maybe they didn't want want to repeat Ben Savage's creeping on the love interest in the pilot episode. <laughs> oh, wonder years. Oh, that did happen. Huh? Yeah. These Savage boys just growing up in the public specter. They're so good. They're so adorable. <laughs> Favorite Savage. Oh, I don't know. That's hard. I, I might care. have to. I might have to take Corey Matthews. Yeah, yeah. He's more our generation. He's like a '90s Savage. Corey Matthews is, isn't a savage. <laughs> mm. Well, I can't remember which savage he is or the first name of the other savage kid from Wonder Years. Fred. Either Ben Fred or Fred. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fred. <laughs> I don't remember. But I, think... I don't remember his character. Arnold? Yeah. No. Kevin Arnold? Arnold. Kevin Arnold. Kevin Arnold. Pilots of the past. Yeah. Topanga was very much missed. She was... I didn't realize that they didn't think to have her long term because she really stays in there for till the end. No spoilers, but. There are Ross and Racheling all over TGIF years before Friends. <laughs> Where are they from again? Where does this take place? Boston? Philly, man. Philly, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. They were going to the Philly game. Philly, just, just no black people, but Philly. <laughs> yeah, right. With the one black girl. <laughs> yeah. All right, so hashtag where's Topanga? Yes. Will be part of our um, tweet drop when this comes out. Good call. It's generating tweets over here. Uh, Mo, what do you think? What's dangling for you? I, after thinking about my MVP and the mom, I did one scene that stuck out to me was when they were eating lunch. It was Sean, Corey, and this, the third kid. And they both are eating the gross cafeteria food. And the, the third kid has like a freshly brown bag lunch from <laughs> his mom. So they're like, I think they told him, must be nice to be an only child. And I just wondered what that meant as far as what, Sean and Corey's situation is as far as being able to get a packed lunch and does the mom work because all I saw her do was laundry and be with a little girl so I guess my dangling thread in that scene was was this a like cheap shot to working moms that can't that they can't feed their kids good food she might not have been working as you said um it makes me think that April Kelly had lots of brothers and sisters and that she resented them and the time they took from her mother <laughs> Well, there was other authors, I mean, writers involved as well. <laughs> I, th I think there is like this, like joke that your parents love you a lot more if there's just one, one of you. Like that, like, like that's that's how I interpreted that scene. Yeah, and they'll make you an individualized with a note. 
Exactly. Did you guys ever did you guys get that? No. Um I I do however write inspirational little notes on Emma's uh, banana cuz I got to write her name on it anyway and then we ordered a bento box from the internet so we could separate her little food. So <laughs> Yeah, she's she's definitely that kid who's getting the little brown bag lunch. I never got a note, but my mom mostly packed my lunch cuz it was cheaper. Yeah, my mom my mom packed my lunch for a while because I was finicky and I would not eat the stuff at school. And then you'd just be starving. Well, I wanted to eat the stuff at school, but, like, I guess my parents wanted to save money or they just didn't want me to eat the stuff because, like, I just remember getting, like, Crappy. warm peanut butter sandwiches. And, like, I don't want to eat a warm peanut butter sandwich. Like, that's not appetizing. And then, like, they won't let you have soda or anything at school. So it's, like, warm peanut butter and water or milk. Would you rather have warm bologna, mayonnaise, and cheese? <laughs> the school kind of had I got a lot of bologna food. sandwiches. Yeah. And tortillas with, like, a hot dog in it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. It was like eggs, pigs in a blanket. Oh. I cannot tell you what, <laughs> what the lunch was like growing up, like, in elementary school and in middle school. But it, it it was definitely not good. Like, I, like, I was jealous because there was pizza and Taco Bell once a week. Yeah, I think my school had pizza and Taco Bell in high school, but in sixth, fifth, sixth grade, I remember I I got a I had a lot of yo plate yogurts or gogurts if I was really fancy, and I was opening a yo plate once like this, and you know like sometimes oh. pressure builds up and it squirted directly into my face. I got like the money shot from my yo plate. Ooh. In front of everyone. Way to go, Gert. Put it anywhere, guys. <laughs> Did you guys ever do that thing where you mixed a bunch of weird food and then dared each other to eat it? Um, probably. Probably. Like, I think everyone's like everyone would just contribute one part oh, and yeah. like, throw it in a yeah, cup. Yeah, we would do like, that, man. Like somehow the base would always be just chocolate milk and then whatever the fuck ketchup. Oh. Like King's cup, oh. King's cup. You it know, was like future King's uh, cup for fifth graders. Yeah. <laughs> I never ate it, but like all the Tom. Well, I was a tomboy, but the other girls that were more savage than me would do it to impress the boys. Patriarchy. Yeah, kids are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, the Eagle the Eagle Point listeners will will appreciate this. Our elementary school had some type of Taco Bell thing growing up, but I hate I did not eat Taco Bell until I was may, maybe in high school. Like like my mom would have to take me to to McDonald's when everyone else wanted Taco Bell. <laughs> Special treatment. That's how finicky I was, yeah. <laughs> I remember I ate a lot of like microwave pizzas that they would sell under the glass in high school. Man, there's a lot of bad food. Damn. It's supposedly gotten better. It hasn't. I work in a school. It hasn't gotten better. We have like these two <laughs> trays where you, you have to put out fruit and veggie and they make the kids take them. The kids take the smallest amount of fruits and vegetables and then they take all chicken wings, all pieces of pizza, all square pizza. There's like a ladle and pour of like barbecue sauce and like kids fill up an entire square with it. Whenever I have lunch duty, I like grab their like Arizona iced teas and tell them about how much sugar is in it. 41 grams. Yeah. And the trash can is just full of vegetables. Yes. Compost. Crappy steamed vegetables. Yes. <laughs> I was out at a school last year in a middle school in, in New Jersey and the food was disgusting, man. A lot of the kids wouldn't touch it. It just didn't look good. It was, you know, it looked bad. It smelled bad. I mean, it looked like it, it looked like frozen TV dinners just microwaved too too long. Oh. Yeah, we do we do free breakfast for every student. Like we don't like show which students are like um, free to reduce lunch, and so 
it's interesting because you know some kids will grab like three things some kids are kind of like yeah whatever i'll eat whatever because like kids are hungry all the time but sometimes in the morning like especially like the breakfast pizzas the kitchen staff i mean it's cool that we're feeding kids but like the kitchen staff like they oven bake all these things in plastic that can bake in the oven so the stuff inside can heat up and then like mm, it ends up being pretty nasty breakfast pizza day is not one of my favorite days yeah yeah we also had the free breakfast and all that stuff would end up in in another trash can as well yeah that's the thing too like if the kids take it or if they take a bite or if they even grab it like we have to trash it you know like we can't send stuff back and then also like the kitchen staff is like um pressuring us to like make sure they take complete meals so like if a kid takes like a um juice box or like make sure they take an entree too and some kids just don't want to do that and i'm like if you want to drink some juice or if you don't want the juice like eat up you know drink up like i'm not going to judge it makes me feel weird when they're like make sure they take a complete meal and then urge them to eat the whole thing and i'm like these kids probably aren't comfortable eating in front of each other because they're like weird little middle schoolers it's weird um that was that was a good dangle yeah it was a good dangle all right, let's let's move on to to uh, Drew's. Yep. And um, I and I just want to add this from from our education talk from Rick and Morty. It got it got a bit heated, and so I just wanted to uh, clarify <laughs> that Drew is a great teacher. And when I criticize the teaching profession, I'm not criticizing Drew as an individual <laughs> teacher. There are a lot of great individual teachers out there, and I'm criticizing the education system, which I think is. Definitely, like, not the worst in the world. It's probably one of the better education systems on our planet. That doesn't say that it's good enough. It hasn't met my needs yet. Thank you, Jimbo. That was a very kind and considerate thing for you to say. I appreciate you. And, yeah, it'll sound better when I just start, like, maybe personally attacking you soon. (laughs) I know. I've read the show notes of another episode, too. Um, Yeah, so my dangling thread was just kind of like... Mr. Feeney, for a lot of people, and for me, was like an influential teacher, even if he wasn't my teacher. And in a lot of ways, Mr. Feeney was like the teacher that a lot of people looked for, like, you know, an older, stern figure who, once you gained their respect or their acceptance, it meant something. And I don't know, like, the thing is, watching it again, I'm an actual teacher right now. And did a real teacher ever give you a Mr. Feeney speech? Did you meet Mr. Feeney's or did you just see him in movies like Dead Poet Society? Like, how did like Mr. Feeney stack up against your real teachers? And then Jimbo, you taught too. So what do you think about that as like a classroom teacher? Mo, you taught in Mozambique too. There's a lot to unpack there. Growing up, I would say in high school, yes. There was four teachers in 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 my high school that really impacted me and helped me become the person I am today different ways. I mean, I probably, I probably wouldn't have done a lot of the things I did in in life if I didn't have like those four in, influencing me at the time. Middle, like middle school, no. I, I mean, it was in one one ear and out the other. Elementary school, no. So I would say high school, like, was when I was old enough to finally listen to teachers and realize that they might know something about the world. Which kind of goes back to my Corey just accepts these lessons and learns from them. And I think that's not a very 11 year old thing to do. Like I tried to teach wisdom to my 11 year old students last year and it was just such an epic failure to teach them wisdom. No matter what I do, no matter what we teach, they're just not going to get like, like they're not ready. You know, they're not going to learn it in one day. They're not going to learn it in one school week that there's things more important in life than your Instagram or Snapchat. 
Yeah, I kind of get diminishing returns because, like, I do give a little Mr. Feeney lecture maybe once every three classes, you know, to, like, some groups of students. It's diminishing returns every time. Two years ago, the kid who was, like, the valedictorian of the eighth grade, like, quoted one of my life lesson things. But, yeah, you got to space those out because, like, some people, like, lecture kids all the time. And kids just don't care. Like, they'll tune it out just like anything else. Yeah, for sure. Did did you have a Mr. Feeney in your life, Mo? Or a Miss Feeney? It could have been a Miss Feeney. One of my Mr. Feenies was a Miss Feeney. Yeah. My kindergarten teacher was pretty amazing. I don't have that great of memories, but I, it's more of like a feeling of the way I felt about school was really shaped by the way my kindergarten went, and it was because of her. So she was pretty, just very sweet and understanding and knew how to deal with with me <laughs> she was she was cute and then I def- and then I kind of skipped having pretty good teachers until high school so in between kindergarten and high school it was pretty <laughs> sparse <laughs> feenyless yeah it was feenyless but also I was really hyper and misbehaved a lot <laughs> you could have used a feeny but I got good grades so I got, I got good grades though so they couldn't say shit <laughs> Olga would have accepted none of that bullshit yeah they were they begged drag their feet to all my parent-teacher conferences. They, like, didn't care. They're just like, oh, we have to go to open house. Oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah. Well, my mom hated parent-teacher conferences because she did them. And then I hated parent-teacher conferences because, <laughs> like, those were days when I knew I had to be at school because she was my ride home to, like, 5.30. And I was not the type of child oh. who wanted to miss TV time. But teachers are just so important. And that young brain is so – in that period in life, your brain is so interesting. Like, you just only care about – yourself and you don't really think about you know like there's no idea of consequence right is it that is it adolescents are not abstract thinkers right or they are abstract thinkers i was just asking a friend because i took adolescent health this semester and i now i can't remember if they are or they're not middle school students so there's leaps and there's jumps um cognizance outside of self takes its biggest leap when the baby understands it's not part of the mother you know, when its needs are not immediately met, when it's able to understand that they're outside objects. Like, that's why hospitals used to give kids teddy bears so they could adjust to um, basically the idea that they are not one with their mother anymore. Um, so it's the biggest, mm-hmm. like, push into abstract thinking. And then um, fifth grade to eighth grade is when, yeah, they really start to get abstract. And there's, like, all this ZPD research about, like, when kids generally do it. But I guess, so one of the example one of the physicians gave us was when she asked her, she works with like in sexual health and when she asked the the kids like what brought you here today they just say the bus oh you know they don't really comprehend that it's like no like what's going on with you in your life that Mm -hmm. is bringing you to see a doctor you know what i mean or they're being smart asses some of them are definitely being smart asses too maybe not some kids are dumb no no the way she presented it, it was that they genuinely just don't really think about what what she's asking or they just think really literally. So I don't know if that has to do with abstract thinking or not. But anyway, it's just supposed to be tough to try to teach those kids. Speaking English as a second language. So that so that doesn't help too with like sarcasm and using idioms. different phrases and figures of speech and idioms. Yeah. But yeah, all that stuff works so, so much better with high schoolers. I'll go last. My Mr. Feeney was uh, Mr. Wilcox in fifth grade. And in, he used to ride his bike to school and he got hit by a car, so he died. But, you know, shout out to Mr. Wilcox. He was amazing. 
I was a research project with some people I was in grad school with and they were doing interviews and we were kind of joking, but not joking. We were all teachers at the table and we were talking about the rewards of our profession. And I told them, I was like, well, you know, a teacher's funeral is impressive because like all of Mr. Wilcox's former students and families like came and like the whole place was packed and he never got married. And, but yeah, that was his life. He was a teacher. He was my fifth grade teacher. He was awesome. But yeah, like, you know, like it was more the feeling that he made me feel about school than anything else. I remember. Maya Angelou said that you will not remember the things that people said, but you'll always remember how they made you feel. Right. Like those sayings they said probably don't stick with you. Uh, Jimbo, we're running low on time, but did you want to throw out one last dangling thread? We we kind of talked about it. Let's go with love. The theme of love in the Romeo and Juliet. That was That was one of my low points. I think it was really forced to try and toss that in to sixth graders. And I didn't think the execution of the theme of love throughout the show was very strong either. Yeah, they could have made it chance or initiative or something like that. And they still could have given him like a rah-rah speech. Love is a little bit of a reach for like an 11-year-old. Or just the pilot as well. Like, do you think the listeners like took that message home that love is the – hold on, I wrote, a, I wrote a couple of them down. It's so abstract for <laughs> All-consuming power of love. Okay, so it's the all-consuming power of love. The greatest wonder of the universe. There is no greater aspiration. And those that don't realize it will sit in detention the rest of their I, lives. I, mean, I like, love dude, that line. These are the, these are, these are ridiculous claims about love. Like, like these are super romantic type ideals that in, in, in my favorite book <laughs> is Siddhartha, which the message in Siddhartha is like love all and everything. And I'm like, come on, really? Well, I like your idea of like Feeney as a failed literature professor because wouldn't someone who like probably worships at the altar of Shakespeare want their kids to have as much passion? Because like I've been there in that teaching experience. Like I'm teaching about the Civil War right now and I'm teaching about Abraham Lincoln and the decisions that he made and the pressure that he was under and like my passion for like understanding Lincoln as a historical figure bleeds through into me talking about it but i know there are kids out there that are like whatever lincoln sucks or like i wish it was summer so i can get mr feeney like throwing that grandiose stuff out there but you're right like love is way too abstract for an 11 year old even at the end he doesn't get it he never really gets it like that isn't that one of his last lines he's just like i guess it's supposed to be this awesome thing that everybody wants so it's not like they he had some sort of like weird diatribe about love like core he's just like i don't know what the fuck everyone's talking about like i just want to go to watch baseball and food fight in the cafeteria <laughs> but his actions say that he did understand it and he did learn the lesson because he helps eric try and get a second date and he goes to hang out with his sister also like a middle school kid agreeing with like the long complicated thing you just said to them is very middle school so that's also Corey just being very well written <laughs> Like when he describes his family as being built on love. Yeah. Right? And Mr. Yeah. Feeney kind of uses his family as a way to let him understand what love is. That's the other thing. Feeney is so infatuated with love. He doesn't seem like a loving person at all. He seems like he's just an old, crusty asshole. <laughs> no, and he's thirsty. He's asking that girl for a date. Just to prove to Corey that he wasn't by himself because <laughs> he got stood up. Oh. Yeah, dude. He's an old, spiteful man. <laughs> he's grumpy, dude. No, just like Drew said, like, I spend four hours with you in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. Get the fuck away from me while I'm eating. Like, you know, like. <laughs> he loves his students. He definitely seems like he likes to be. He likes his yeah. alone time. 
for sure. And he he's probably really good at being alone. But I also like that he understood what Corey thought he saw from the tree. And then he just psychs him out at the end by asking that teacher out on a date. He's like, are you confused? He's like, very much so. All right. So mo- moment of truth. Was the love theme a hit for you, Mo? Yes or no? I liked it. Okay, Drew, yes or no? Feeney made it work. They could have done better. Yes or no, Drew? Yes, Feeney made it work. Hoisters, that was a strong no for me. <laughs> so I think we can move on. Dangled. Dangled. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment before the moment you've all been waiting for, are we going to watch, or for us, are we going to rewatch this show? Um, I don't think I'm going to rewatch this show. There's other stuff on. There's new stuff on. This was fun. Thank you, Dami Two Strokes, who I know from school. Um, for suggesting this show, but no, I'm not going to rewatch. Mo. I actually started watching the second episode. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, Mo. Nice. Yeah. I almost, I almost mentioned something about it just now, and then I realized this is why you're not supposed to watch the second episode before yeah. recording. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. But so yeah, I love it. It's so sweet. It just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I'm probably not going to rewatch this show. I'm. I would consider watching it with my future daughter so maybe 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 in the future this this could be a good show for a child to watch that maybe they'll take something away and if not they won't be hurt by it but first a promo swap with home video hustle hey do you like movies hey do you like podcasts if you do then come on down and listen to the home video hustle podcast homie hustle hustle every friday we talk about whatever movie pj picks out the bag what does that mean well, every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I pick a bunch of movies at random. Sometimes there's a theme to it, sometimes not. PJ picks the movie up, and guess what? We watch it on Friday. We talk about it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half, whatever we feel like doing. Might give you something good to watch, baby. Come on down every Friday. So come get your hustle on with Home Video Hustle. You can find the show on any podcatcher app, or you can come down to homevideohustle.popping.com. All of them in one place for you. So you can go ahead and binge it like it's Netflix. We ain't the Defenders. Uh, but I like to think we a little bit better than that. <laughs> Come out at your boys, man. Come chill with us. Peace. Peace. Welcome back, hoisters. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. To hoist or not to hoist, that is the question. And uh, this is where we decide if a show is going to be hoisted on its own petard, or as we might say, blown up by its own bomb. So, Jimbo, you seem a bit adamant based on the show notes. I'm hoisting it. I think they had a lot of good attempts, but in my opinion, as as a viewer of this episode, it was a weak execution overall. But a most but but a mostly enjoyable pilot. But I'm hoisting it. As as I mentioned before, my interpretation of hoisting has has evolved. It has. It's gotten brutal. Um, I'm I'm not gonna hoist this show. It was fun. It was pleasant. I enjoyed it. And the thing is, I want to keep in mind who the audience is. You know, it's for it's for kids. It's for people like, you know, 8 to 16. So some of the stuff that was corny was excusable. And I like the message. And Mr. Feeney was awesome. I like a lot of things Mr. Feeney did. Yeah, Mr. Feeney's just timeless. Is he still alive? Yes, he is. It was his birthday the other day. I follow uh, him on Twitter. Oh, Pilots and Petards <laughs> follows him on Twitter. I'm definitely not hoisting. I would never hoist Boy Meets World. Okay. No bow. No bow in full effect. Oh, my goodness. P- yeah, there's no way. Petard's throne. All right, hoisters. We have, by split decision, 
Not hoist Boy Meets World. All right. Good. Good for you, Boy Meets World. All right. And now for my favorite segment of the show and Mo's least favorite. Mo, you want to announce it? Quest for the best. Stick it anywhere, guys. <laughs> yeah, this, stick it anywhere and now you want. for the I don't stick care. it anywhere, guys. <laughs> Quest for the best and worst pilot ever. Read <laughs> oh, it. All right. So. I'm looking at the quest for the best. It's better than Married with Children. Oh, well, it looks like I'm getting boxed out there. I I think it's worse (laughs) than Married with Children, but better than Freaks and Geeks. I like it better than Married with Children. Same. These people are redemptive, Jimbo. (laughs) I think Married with Children is awesome, dude. I think think, uh, you guys overlooked it. Hey, well, we'll have plenty of time. I was with you for that most of that episode, Jimbo. That's true. Okay, cool. Well, then the the quest for the best is settled quite quickly. Was it? Okay. Uh, yeah, Mo and I are in agreement. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is better than the Crown. You know, they're very different. Okay, agreed. And I think, I think the Crown is is better. Mo, you have you have an objection to that? No, no, I can agree with that. Because the Crown, the the Crown had very um, weak low points, but I, I feel like. The low points in Boy, Boy Meets World were a lot lower low points. Lower low points. It's just you can't compare with that production value. That really helps. It did. There was like three sets in Boy Meets World versus <laughs> the overwhelming historical accuracy of the crown, like crushing it. <laughs> yeah. And even the actors involved. It, it's hard to compare dramatic acting with like a family sitcom acting. It's almost unfair. I'll say this, um, Boy Meets World might have had a deeper bench than The Crown, because The Crown had, like, the king who talked, the prince, the future Queen Elizabeth, and then that guy who was having an affair with the awkward sister. Like, things dropped off steeply, whereas Boy Meets World, man, top to bottom, even though that little sister was a little corny, that full house line was, uh, that was choice. Agree with Jimbo there. You know, I do try and look at it objectively, but it comes down to just entertainment value for me. I actually kind of diverted away from from Drew and I's original breaking it down into three sections. No, there are you know there are no sections in my eyes. It's either entertaining or it's not. We're evolving, man. You know, it's sure it's are. a podcast project. Slay. That's where it goes. Uh, so if you're looking at pilots you want to watch, you should watch Boy Meets World after The Crown, but before Married with Children. Nice. All right, so that's that's twenty five pilots on there. All right, guys. Um, so now we come to the segment of the show where we look at our petardar. What is on your radar now that you have watched um, some Boy Meets World? And I want to start things off by giving Tori a shout out. You know, she's deep in the Z Creek. She's killing it with Dawson's Creek. But another show that she likes is Girl Meets World, um, the Disney show where um, Topanga and Corey are the parents and they have a daughter. And mm. um, it's a fun show. Uh, I don't. I don't really like it that much because, like, I don't have the no-bo feelings that I have with the original. But it's fun. You know, it's a fun little sitcom for kids. And there's enough, like, cameos by original cast members, OCMs, uh, that, you know, it makes it fun to watch even if you don't watch every episode. Oh, and also 1776 is a musical about the writing of the Declaration of Independence. Much like Hamilton, but with way more white people and less rapping. And um, Mr. Feeney plays John Adams and John Adams is like reviled oh. in the show. So it's young, sexy Mr. Feeney singing about the Declaration of Independence. Oh, 1776. Right. Yeah. Right. 
I was wondering how that, how, how that one was tying in. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just a long-running, you know, play where, like, Mr. Feeney just gets to be a dick to everyone, and he's charming. Well, mine's short and sweet, Saved by the Bell. Zach Morris is a Corey-ish type character. He's actually the OG little punk ass, but kind of a good person character. And so Saved by the Bell. Cool. Have you guys seen um, Funny or Dies? Zach Morris is trash. It's like these. This guy takes uh, Say by the Bell episodes and breaks them down in like five minutes and like does a voiceover with like kind of a 2018 attitude. And a really good one is remember when Zach like meets that movie star and then gets mad because he's smoking drugs at his party. It's kind of like that retelling of uh, the Karate Kid video where like the Karate Kid is the bully and the other kid from Cobra Kai is like the nice guy. So, like, all the episodes are about how Zach is terrible. Jimbo, you should watch it. I saw one on Facebook. Huh, I haven't seen any of those. <laughs> yeah, even the Karate Kid one I've never seen. The Karate Kid one is fantastic. All right, Mo, what's on your list? Your Pitar Dire. So, I'm just going to shout out all of the Thank God It's Friday TGIF lineup. Woo! So, I think it was Step by Step. Yep. Family Matters. Yep. What was, there was four, right? Sister, so sister. 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 No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Was no. dinosaurs part of it? Yes, it was. Sister Sister was not on ABC. Sister Sister was on TGIF. It was on CW. Mm, we're looking or, this up. It was formerly known as WB. Where's where, Where's Fitz when you need him? Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Sister Sister was picked up by ABC <gasps> as a mid-season replacement <gasps> and debuted on April 1st, 1994 as part of the network's TGIF comedy oh. lineup. The show later moved... <laughs> To a new time slot for the 1994-1995 season. Dude, so it was on for like a couple weeks. Oh. Well, I remember that. Yeah, it's the original network, ABC, for one year. And then the WB for the last Yeah, mid-season. So it it came in during the second half and kind of just finished out a blowout season. I mean, a blowout game, it sounds like. Petard averted. Petard averted. (laughs) So you, you you know you're both right, but I'm mostly with with Mo. It wasn't it wasn't TGIF. I will take what I can get because I care about those things. Okay. Just Google TGIF and pick a sitcom. That's going to be my production. <laughs> Next week we will be over analyzing the sitcom Blackish, and joining us will be special guest and abstract artist AC. We have our official closing music is an instrumental track by Entheos, and our intro was mixed by Jake Drew. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, you can join our Facebook group, and you can follow our blog so you can be involved in those pre-recording discussions, and you can send any and all feedback to any of those places, our website. You can also leave comments after our podcast, and we are looking for any and all feedback to help us improve our podcast in pretty much any way. Um, so, so I would like to do Blackish soonish, especially because I was planning on Blackish being published before this. Now, i i have a I have a teacher friend from last year that I that we could maybe invite to be a guest as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this maybe this is racist, but she's African American. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, I think and, I, mean, I don't if, think it's racist. If, I think it's inclusive. I already addressed this. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> I just feel a little racist about it, but anyway. Don't feel I mean, racist talking like about have... race, Jimbo. Don't do I that. Know. No, no, no. This I feel racist inviting best. a black person to do something because they're you, black. 
going to gift you this zine on white fragility, Jimbo. I think you need to research it more. Oh my you know gosh, what white fragility is? That's messed up. Um, I don't know the word, but but I feel like you're insulting no, me. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Oh. <laughs> it's not. It's not an insult. Okay. Ugh. But you should look it up and read about it, and then you're going to understand your own discomfort about, I, like... I didn't know if Jimbo had a what? meta, 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 super metatextual reply to whether you knew what white fragility was. <laughs> He's like, I, I don't know what it is, but you're insulting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an insult. I think you guys sometimes think that I don't get things just because my my opinions. I think I understand things a lot better than than you give me credit for. I just don't agree. Right, but white fragility has nothing to do with your comprehension. Yeah, I'm gonna just go ahead and send you like some sort of. <laughs> Send it to me. No, 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 I wasn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not referring to uh, the word. I don't know. Jimbo's dad sends me stuff. Please send us things. It's nice to do a podcast and people send you things. It's nice to get yeah, mail. Yeah. If, if listeners, if you have a great article or a zine about white fragility, which was my first zine I ever purchased, do send it our way. Send it to Jimbo G. I thought you were going to say it was the first zine you made, and I was like. I was like, you're such a New Yorker, Mo. You're like just making zines and handing them out to people. My roommate makes zines like here at the apartment. <laughs> and listeners, if you're still out there, if you can't tell by the music, the show is officially over. <laughs> but if you love us as love much us. as we love us, we're going to stick around for a few more minutes. But is Urban Dictionary going to do a good enough job to explaining white fragility? I don't think Probably so. Probably not. It's, it's possible. You never know. I feel like it's somewhat self-explanatory. By the way, Mo, I've changed your title because you were complaining about not having titles. It's Motherfucking Miss Mo, Master of Pilots and Zines. Okay. Nice. <laughs> and Master of Pilots and White Fragility. <laughs> Ooh. I there like that, go. dude. I'm actually not a Master of White Fragility, and I'm really trying to work on it. I'm trying, but I just sometimes don't know how to... Okay, so let's let's get back to uh so shop that talk. If we can't get if we can't get one one of the four hosts of the of the Blackish re- recap yeah. show, I would like to invite now does it does anyone else have anyone that that we can maybe invite and bring on as well? I could I could ask my friend Essie if she'd be into it. When would we be recording on Sunday? We could. Okay, any other official business I should stick around for? Bam. Okay, I sent an art- a Huffington Post article. Oh, okay, cool. They have a very okay, nice cool. neat table. Oh, <laughs> I see what the I see what the article is. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, every day I'm hoistling. Drew out. Every day I'm hoistling. Mo out. Every day we hoistling. Jimbo out.